0: everybody getting ready for thanksgiving yeah yeah Yeah. well in that spirit i want to try a little experiment here's what we're going to do i'm going to split it right down the middle the people to my right i want you guys when i when i give you the signal to get together and grumble with each other okay and then the people on my left i want you to get get together and give words of thanksgiving and receive that okay can y'all do that for me? They're like, no. Nah. Oh, come on! Some of you can do it. Okay. Ready? One, two, three, go. But they take that very naturally. It wasn't hard at all. Time, family. A lot than my all right well i noticed the grumblers wanted to go a little longer isn't that interesting <laughs> planning to grumble about. Grumbling about grumbling. okay grumblers i want you to be honest sometimes venting can help how many of you feel better about yourself because you grumbled hmm. nobody And on my left, how many of you guys feel better because you got to give or receive words of thanksgiving? Isn't that amazing? There's just something positive about thanksgiving that warms the heart. More than that, there's something spiritual about thanksgiving that warms the soul. Our traditional thanksgiving feast has deep roots in the history of our nation. It can be traced back... uh, to um, a poorly documented 1621 celebration at Plymouth, which is in Massachusetts. And the 1621 Plymouth Feast and Thanksgiving was prompted by a good harvest. It continued as a time of prayer and fasting. As President of the United States, George Washington himself proclaimed the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration in America— Marking November 26, 1789, check this out. As a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Isn't that different from what we hear about Thanksgiving today? It's about pausing and thanking God for all He's done in spite of our circumstances. Well, in 1863, in the middle of the bloodiest war in American history, the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln made a presidential proclamation that we would hit the pause button and thank our Heavenly Father for all he's given us. In the middle of the Civil War. And you know, every president that followed made that same proclamation. You fast forward to 1941, check this out by joint congressional resolution, that day to pause and give thanks to God, would be the fourth Thursday in November. And so I want you to think about this. This Thursday, by presidential and congressional proclamation, we are to pause and give thanks to God. And yet, in our culture, so many people think, you know, it's, it's turkey, it's football, and, You know, it is turkey and it is football and that's all good stuff. But it's really about stopping and acknowledging God for all the great things he's done and all the things that he's given us in our life. Maybe this concept is new to you. You didn't really know Thanksgiving was about pausing and thanking God. But there's something about a thankful heart that just transforms our approach to life, just makes things have more peace. It really does. And an ungrateful heart, as many of us know, I've learned from uh, experience, is a cancer that can just destroy your outlook on life. And a grateful heart is a blessing to all. Well, let me tell you this. This all didn't start as a presidential proclamation. In fact, those presidents got this idea from ancient texts found in Scripture. Check this out. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalm 107, 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love kindness is everlasting. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. This is a famous one. But in everything by prayer and supplication, and sometimes people leave this part out, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. See, when you pray with a thankful heart, your prayers begin to change. And Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I want you to think about that. We're called as people of, of Jesus, as followers of Christ, to be thankful. And yet so many times in life, the thankfulness just gets pushed out, and the ups and downs of life can just make it hard to remember that. But it's very clear in Scripture that the body of Christ, we are to pause not once a year, not once a week, but continually to have a heart of gratitude and thanks towards God for who He is and what He does So let me just ask you to do this. I want you to do a little mental exercise. What are you thankful for? You don't have to say it out loud, but just in your mind, who are you thankful for? What can you say, wow, God, I'm so thankful for that? It could be a person. It could be experience. It could be something small. Like last week, I went and stayed with my parents and slept on a memory foam mattress got a great night's sleep now I'm pretty sure memory foam is of the Lord Uh, I've been looking for a scripture I can't find it anywhere but I mean just wake up and go wow I'm not slept like that in a while and and I was just thankful there's something about a thankful heart that's just pleasing to God and beneficial to all but it's funny we seem so quick to complain about the little stuff and oftentimes we aren't thankful for them My kids, I was thinking about it this week, particularly when they were smaller. They would pray, because in our family, I try to get all the kids to pray. We take turns. and Oftentimes when they pray, it's kind of like, Oh God, thank you for my cat. And God, thank you. Listening. And you know what? I'm always tempted to go, Don't pray for those things. That's kind of immature. But actually there's something mature about just thanking God and praying for the little things that we have In our life, I totally understand why we don't do this because, after all, life gets in the way, right? Wake up, got to get your coffee, got to get going, you got jobs, you got chores, you got things to do. And oftentimes, we just don't think about these things myself, I'm always worried about my kids' homework, got to get the sermon done, and then I'm having to host all these relatives that are just bombarding my house. I mean, the house is full, and they're going to want some of my time, and I'm going to have to deal with those people, and sometimes I just think, who do they think they are coming in my house to do this? But let me tell you this, for me, Thanksgiving's a chore. It's work. I got to get the house ready. I got to get the food bought. I got to prepare the food. It's just like, I mean, I know my mom's 80, but golly, she's gotten slack in her old age, don't you think? (laughs) My wife, she wants one-on-one time with me, and those congregants, and uh, you go, Lindy, you don't really have congregants anymore. Well, I kind of do, you guys, but, but they still show up at my house. It's amazing. They still come over, and I have to deal with all those congregants, and what I'm doing is this. Very quickly... Everything can become all about me, my things, the stuff I have to do. And when I do that, I just push thanksgiving out to the outside. And I don't have a thankful heart. Do you know, if you look at the Bible, there's a theme throughout Scripture that says you should be thankful. You should have a thankful heart. We should be thankful for our lives. We should be thankful for the air that we breathe. We should be thankful that, you know, God has chosen us to live in this amazing culture, as messed up as it is sometimes, I mean, we are the wealthiest culture in all of human history, pretty much. And technology and health care. And Acts 17 says God determined the place you would live and the boundaries you would live. So God has richly blessed us. Not to mention salvation that if you have a relationship with Jesus, how beautiful is that? How richly blessed are we when we just take a moment to not think about all the little things in my life, but to think about all the blessings that we have. Thanksgiving can go by the wayside, and and it's to my detriment and all the people around us, because nobody likes grumblers, right? Right, grumblers? Nobody likes them. And you know what? Today, I want to talk about a few different seasons in life that can make it difficult for us to be thankful and to give thanksgiving. And there's really three, just three things I want to talk about today. Three seasons that can hinder thankfulness. And season number one is the season of in-between. It's a season of in-between. When you are in this season, it's just fertile ground for grumbling. And I'm going to look at Numbers chapter 11, and we're going to pick up the story in verse 4. Check this out. There's some grumbling going on here. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires, and also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt. They were slaves, okay, it wasn't free, but now it's like free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, but now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna, which was provided by God in a desert. Was probably, guys, I don't have any proof, but probably a perfect food with every vitamin that you ever needed, and no, you know, little fat, and, uh, and yet they were grumbling. And isn't it amazing that these people who had this newfound freedom in God, they're being miraculously fed daily by God, would have the audacity to grumble. But you know what? Isn't that our nature sometimes? I mean, can't we just get into a routine where it's just like, oh. I know, I, I'm preaching to myself this week, because I realize I just have a tendency sometimes when things just don't go my way, as if the universe is here for my, you know, my purpose. It's not. And then I just begin to grumble. And, you know, if I think about it, I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting everyone else around me. My joy is being taken from me. And I'm not blessing the Lord. See, God knows us. He knows how he made us and how we're designed and wired. And he wants us to be thankful. He knows that's good for him. It blesses his heart, but it blesses our hearts. It blesses our communities. It blesses our families and congregations. And that's why we always say in Scripture, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. See, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty when you're in between things. Like in between jobs or in between moving. And, you know, and we don't like this uncertainty. So instead of trusting God, we have a tendency, like the Israelites, to just grumble and complain. What season of in between might you be in? For me, professionally, I know I've kind of been in the in between season for a while. God, what's next? God, what do you want? And then I began grumbling about it because when there's uncertainty, We get uncomfortable, and we just have a tendency to complain. There are seasons of being in between jobs, schools, parenthood, grandparenthood, childhood, and adulthood. Uh, Being young, being old. Sometimes you have this season of in between. And when you're in there, you just have to remember, okay, there's a tendency that I'm going to have to grumble and not be thankful for the things I do have. And that's the thing. Sometimes when we don't have what we want, we hyper-focus on that. And God wants us to focus on what we do have that is good and give thanks. The waiting, though, can be kind of difficult. Reminds me of a story about Kevin and his younger brother, Mark. Their mom promised to make pancakes. And she wakes up, and she starts making pancakes. And Kevin and little Mark, they're just waiting for that pancake. And an argument breaks out. Who's going to get the first pancake, you know, between the brothers? And mom sees an opportunity. She's like, "Well, this is a great teaching moment. I'm going to teach them about Jesus. And she goes in and she goes, boys, what would Jesus do if he was in your shoes? Yes, yes. I do think Jesus would want his brother to have the first pancake. Don't you think so? And of course, Kevin goes, yeah, I think so, Mom, that's great. He looks at his little brother, Mark, you be Jesus this morning. (laughs) Waiting's difficult. Being in between is hard, and we grumble. But these are the seasons when we need more than ever to trust God. We need His presence more in the seasons of in between. And we need to thank Him for the good things so we can experience His peace even when we're in between things. There's another one I want to look at, season number two, and this is the season of on the edge. The season of on the edge. This is the season where you're just at your wits end. You know, you're ready to throw in the towel. I'm just on the edge. Pick the story back up in Numbers chapter 11. Moses finds himself on the edge. Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man at the doorway of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Was it I who conceived all these people? Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep before me saying, Give us meat that we may eat. Check this out. I alone am not able to carry all this people because it is too burdensome for me. So if you are going to deal thus with me, please kill me at once. (laughs) If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. That's Moses, the spiritual one, the deliverer of the nation of Israel, the one who was a precursor to Christ himself. Moses, super spiritual Moses. And look at him, when he's on the edge, he's like, just kill me, God. Just take me away. And we have this tendency Let me ask you a real question. You don't have to answer out loud. Do you ever say that? Have you ever said, Lord, just take me home? Just take me home. I don't know if I really mean it when I say it, but I have before. I've grumbled like that. And you know, this is the thing. You shouldn't do that. We don't get to do that. We as followers of Christ are called to live our lives. There's no throwing in the towel for disciples of Jesus. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose in your being. And remember, it's not about you. It's bigger. You see, when I think only about myself, that's when I begin to grumble. But when I'm at the breaking point, if I can muster enough wisdom just to be thankful to God for what is good, it changes everything. My outlook, my perspective, which changes my approach. There's a third season that I want to share with you that can be dangerous when it comes to giving thanks to God. And this is the season, I like to call it the season of flying high. It's a dangerous season. It's the most dangerous season as it relates to being thankful. This is the season where everything's good. You got the job. You got the promotion, the loan. She said yes. The results from the doctor, negative. Kids are making good grades. They're even listening to you. And when you're in this season it can become difficult to thank God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, check this out. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. It's just so important for us to know this. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. In other words, remember the good things God's done for you and how you got where you're at. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestor. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. You know, it just seems to me like we would praise God when everything's going good. But we have a tendency, you know, when everything's going good, just to get caught up in all the goodness of life. You know, and forget that every good and perfect gift comes where? From above, as the Bible teaches us. And sometimes when things are going good, we just need to slow down and spend some time thanking God for the goodness. See, we deceive ourselves at times by believing we did this on our own. It was me. I think I already quoted this a little bit, but James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. President Benjamin Harris Said this, no emotion cools sooner than that of gratitude. And this is especially true when everything is going right. Pastor John Piper wrote this. He said, At the root of ingratitude is the love of one's own greatness. For genuine gratitude admits that we are beneficiaries of an unearned bequest. I love this. Check this out. We are cripples leaning on a cross-shaped crutch of Jesus Christ. That's the key to remember and to be thankful. Just remember, we're all cripples because we all got this sinful curse, but we also have Jesus who forgives us of all that. But we're constantly leaning on a cross, a cross-shaped crutch of Jesus Christ. The reason oftentimes that we're not thankful is we want all the glory. Anytime anything happens in your life, all glory is due to God. How do we break out of the cycle of ingratitude when we get in it? Well, I wrote a timeless truth, and this is what I came up with. In order to be thankful to God, we must quit focusing in the mirror and begin to focus on God. It all goes back to spending that little bit of time, just you and Him. Instead of worrying about all your problems and this and that, just me and Jesus, a little bit of time a day. And it can just change everything. This is why corporate worship is so important, what we're doing this morning. This is what's so amazing about prayer, because it reminds you, small groups, reading your Bible, it's just so crucial. Check this out, Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love, kindness, and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the angel. I don't know what that does for you, but when I read that, it's just, it breathes life into my soul, and it makes me thankful. It reminds me of all God's done. And that just changes you. That just takes the focus off of you and puts it on God. And one of the enemies of our soul is just forgetfulness. We have a tendency to focus on problems and forget God's greatness. Psalm seventy-eight nineteen says, They even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Think about what they had just been through the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, they had just seen all these miracles, and now they're going, uh, and sometimes we have a tendency to do that. Watch this. So the message is very simple. Everybody can understand it. It's just about being thankful. When you find yourself not so thankful, just think of Jesus. We should always be thankful because Jesus has given us life, life everlasting. Not because of anything we did or deserve, but because of who he is and how much he loves us. We're his children. Life's hard. There are bumps and bruises and tough stuff along the way. But the wonderful thing about the promise and the hope that we have is one day, one day God's going to take that which is so difficult in this life and remove it. The former things will have passed. No more tears. No more pain. And we can be thankful now for that day. And it changes us inside. I'm going to leave you with another scripture. It is Psalm 23:5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Check this out. My cup overflows with blessings. Pray with me. Father, I just thank you for life. Lord, I thank you that I'm 53 years old, that you saved my life by giving me an artificial heart valve. Lord, I thank you for my wife. My faithful wife, I thank you for my children, Lord. And everything's not perfect, Lord, but, but it is good, Lord. It is good to have this life. And I thank you mostly for Jesus, who is the Redeemer, who is the Sustainer, who is the lover of our souls. Lord, help us during this week to be thankful for the little things and to give you thanks to change everything because we have applied this concept in our life. In Christ's name I pray, amen.